Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, it contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. It also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're here this morning. Glad we're able to come back and study some questions with you. And that's what we do on this program is answer viewers' questions. If you've got something you've always wondered about the Bible or maybe something in life, you wonder what the Bible would have to say about it, we've got a phone number and a website on the screen you can use any time to get in touch with us. Tell us what you'd like, to, like us to talk about on Know Your Bible. Uh, and hopefully we can all know our Bible a little bit better as we study some of these good questions that we get. Let me introduce my co-host here, Mr. Toby Levering. Hi, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you're back and ready to go and studied up on some of these we got in the past few weeks. Uh, always start with one for our viewing audience. Make sure they know a little bit of Bible here at home. And uh, this one's about a businesswoman who sold purple cloth. What was her name? A very expensive commodity back in the first century, and this businesswoman did a good job of selling it. And we'll tell you her name at the end of the program, see if you and your family know that one. All right, looks like you drew the first one, Toby, yep. so you get to start us off. Kind of a judgmental question. Okay. The we'll, question we'll is, why do so many so-called Christians judge people and jump to conclusions? That's interesting because this question sounds a little judgy to me, but uh, you're right. I think there are some folks in Christianity who give our Savior a bad name and who are uh, more, maybe as you say, judgmental. Now, uh, the thing about being judgmental and jumping to conclusions is it's human nature. You, you can't even help it. I mean, like I've inferred there, your, your question even has this kind of judgmental air to it. Like, oh, all these Christians, they're just, they, all, they all jump to conclusions and they all judge people. Well, not all of us are that way. And uh, so it, it's kind of something within our nature. Now, Jesus dealt with that. And usually the world takes just part of what he says and, and ignores the rest of it. And so G Jesus did deal with this. What he didn't say was stop judging. He just said, let your judgments be consistent. Let's look at the scripture, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, the world takes Matthew 7, 1 and 2 and just takes the first verse, actually really the first three words of the first verse, do not judge. And there's no way you can't tell me what's right and wrong. You can't tell me I can't do that. That's just being judgmental. Well, that's not exactly what Jesus was talking about. Of course, God is ultimately the judge. And uh, he is, uh, our goal as Christians is to make our judgments that we have every day uh, consistent and lined up with his. Uh, the world says, judge not. The world says, don't judge at all. That's what Jesus said. Well, that's not entirely what Jesus said. Uh, <clears throat> the world says, uh, judge not means you can do whatever makes you happy. 
you can do. God just wants you to be happy. He doesn't want to judge you. He just wants you to do whatever pleases you. You can't call good, good. You can't call evil, evil. And, uh, well, that's a, a misconstruing of what the Scripture says. So we've got to be careful. And every time we look at a verse or think we understand something, we've got to look in the context of Scripture. Uh, the Word says, Jesus says, the way you measure it out is going to be measured back to you. Uh, the, and we know that's true. The attitude that you have toward other people is reflected right back to you. And so uh, uh, if, you're, if you think everybody else is judgmental, you're probably going to come across as judgmental. If you think everybody else is whining and complaining, you're probably going to come across as a whining, complaining person. So you, you have to be careful. The measure you use, it will be measured right back to you. Uh, there is a difference between judging, which everyone must do. I mean, being a Christian doesn't mean we just open our minds and, and take out our brain. And Jesus told his disciples to be as shrewd as serpents and yet as innocent as doves. We've got to think as Christians. We've got to be able to judge. But b being judge, uh, in our judgments, we have to be fair. We have to apply the same standard to other people that we apply to ourselves. And that's the harder standard that Jesus called Christians to live up to. So uh, why do so many Christians judge? Well, probably they've got a judgmental attitude. Um, but we can fix that if we can work to become more like Christ in His, uh, in his ways and His words. All right, Uncle Dobie. Uh, we got a, well, we get a lot of questions about cremation. Uh, Recently, we got a couple together, and when I saw them, I said, Toby, and I'll just talk about that whole topic. Let me show you one here. For a viewer says, Is it a sin to get cremated? Does it mean we won't get to heaven? And then let's look at the next question that we got. It's almost the same. If you got time, can show it. Will being cremated cause me to go to hell? So, a lot of people wondering about this cremation, and one thought I had was uh, it can't be a sin in one sense because somebody else is doing it to you. <laughs> you know, if I haven't talked to my family and haven't decided how I want to be buried or cremated or whatever, and they make that decision, it's not something I did. Uh, but most people talk about it, and hopefully everybody talks about it. Yep. In fact, that's our final advice usually on this is that uh, families ought to talk about it and agree because some people are a little squeamish about it. Uh, let me just tell you about the Bible. The Bible doesn't mention it, really. Uh, <clears throat> the Bible doesn't condone it or uh, dissuade us from doing it or say it's a sin or anything. It just doesn't talk about it. Uh, the Bible talks about burials. Admittedly, uh, the saints, uh, Abraham and all them, it talks about where they were buried and talks about how long the funeral lasted and how long they took to, to bury and mourn and all that. Uh, so it doesn't talk about cremations, but it doesn't condemn them either. Now, our viewers' big question, Willie, will this affect our getting to heaven or resurrection or any of that? Yeah, and, and that's part, you know, the end of the question they say, well, well, does it mean we won't go to heaven? And we have the other one which says, will it cause me to go to hell? And that's people's big concern is, you know, mm -hmm. as I prepare to exit this world and do something that will mess up eternity for me. And, mm -hmm. and you need rest assured uh, that however you and your family decide to take care of your final remains, uh, that will not affect 
your eternity uh, or the, the resurrection body as the Bible speaks about that. You have absolutely nothing to worry about there according to Scripture uh, regardless of how the body uh, decomposes, decays, or is uh, 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 interned uh, is, is not going to affect your eternal destination. Uh, in other words, when the day of the Lord comes, the judgment day, and, and, and the dead are raised, how is that going to happen? That's what people wonder. How is, how, what if, if my body's all ashes, uh, how am I going to have a resurrection body? Well, you know, God's going to figure that out. <laughs> all of the bodies, regardless of how they go, end up as ashes eventually, given enough time. So God's going to put us back together, uh, regardless of where we are or where our final remains and what state they are when He comes. And so we don't have to worry about that all. What, what, what causes one to go to hell is, are the things that happen prior to our death, uh, not after our death. And uh, the, the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die and after that to face the judgment. And so cremation just simply has to do with how we dispose, how we, what we do with the remains of the physical body. And uh, I can tell you, if you're in Christ, uh, he's going he's gonna to bless you with a new resurrection body that will be perfect, and uh, he'll get it handled just right. And there's no problem in the final resurrection. And I want to read from 1 Corinthians 15. Now, we're only going to have just a few verses on the screen, but I want to encourage you, if you're really wondering about this, to look at the promise that Paul talked about uh, of the resurrection and the hope of the resurrection, starting in 1 Corinthians 15, about verse 35. And, and he explains very well how this is all, um, he, not how it's all going to work, but that it's all going to work. And that um, the resurrection uh, will be uh, handle all of these questions and concerns. So uh, let's look for our purposes at, just at verse 50. And Paul says this, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Uh, Paul goes on to say that we will be raised. Uh, he, he, in fact, I'll read a couple of verses. Um, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, and each has a different kind, but it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in honor. It is sown perishable. It is raised in, uh, imperishable. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And so we understand that how we really don't understand, but the resurrection body is going to be a, a wonderful, beautiful, uh, powerful <coughs> recreation of God. And uh, the cremation doesn't affect that eternal yep. state in any way. <coughs> yeah. Uh, we're told that we're judged for things done in the flesh. Mm -hmm. So our life is what determines That's whether right. we're going to heaven or yeah. hell. Uh, I think a lot of people hear uh, stories from history perhaps that affects their belief in this. Uh, during certain times there have been people who have told people we're going to burn your body so it can't be resurrected yeah. as a punishment for being a heretic or something like that. Mm -hmm. I remember reading one story about I think it was the Chinese that were communists that were persecuting Christians and they knew that Christians believed they'd be resurrected somehow. So when they killed them, they would bury their bodies one place and they'd cut their heads off and bury their heads somewhere else. And they told the Christians there, see, that fixed it. You, yeah. you can't be resurrected. <laughs> well, they didn't know our God. Yeah. <laughs> he got them all back together just fine. Uh, but I think people 
hear some of that kind of history and think, oh, there must be something about creation that sure. is going to mess things up. And the Bible just doesn't say that. So yeah. uh, we'll trust God to get us back together, whatever I know we can do shape it. we're in then. That's right. All right. Uh, let me talk about a good way to study the Bible for just a moment. We enjoy <laughs> answering questions like this and hope if you watch Know Your Bible long enough, you'll know a few things about the Bible. But by sitting down in your own home with your own Bible and some free Bible study materials uh, from Know Your Bible, you can learn a lot more about the Bible. <clears throat> We've got a number of courses. We start with one that's real basic, that's just, it's not a, uh, tied to any denomination or any creed of man or anything else. It's just a Bible study. And it helps you get familiar with your Bible. You learn different parts of it. The Old and New Testament is where it starts. Then a number of different themes from the Bible. Once you've got through that course, uh, we'll have uh, we've got a nice certificate that will get you because you graduated from that one. And then we've got another advanced one beyond that, and a number beyond that. Uh, you can keep studying the Bible for a long time with Know Your Bible Study tools, <clears throat> and folks that do and uh, continue on through it. Uh, send us some really nice words of uh, thanks and tell us how much they learned about the Bible. So if you want to study the Bible in your own home, here's a great way to do it. The phone number website on the screen, just use either one of them. Tell us you'd like that free course and it'll come and it'll be absolutely free. You won't get on a waiting list, I mean on a, a, a mailing list, you won't get on a uh, ask for money, you won't get letters telling you about why we got to have money for this or that. Uh, nope, you'll just get some free courses and a good way to study the Bible. So give us a call. All right, viewer wants to know a pretty simple question. Where does it talk about the Trinity in the Bible? And it's also a pretty simple answer. The Bible doesn't talk about the Trinity. It doesn't say that anywhere <laughs> in the Bible. Uh, that is a doctrine or a teaching that has come from study of the Bible. Uh, <clears throat> a doctrine when a person or a church or a denomination or anything comes up with a doctrine, it's how they've studied the Bible and the best answer they have about some topic in the Bible. This topic of who God is and uh, whether he's one or three or all that uh, is a doctrine that makes sense to 99% of Christianity. Uh, there's a few people that say, no, they can't be such a thing, and our Unitarians believe in one God in some way. Uh, but here's where the Bible starts talking about the concept, and it's in Genesis 1.26. Before that, we just read about God, that our English Bible say. If we look at that Hebrew word, it's Elohim, which is a plural word, and that may make us wonder a little bit, well, why is God, plural. Then when we get to Genesis 1.26, let's put that back on there, it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay, This is when the earth is brand new. Uh, there's birds and fish and worms and animals crawling all over it, but there's no men yet. There's no humans. And God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Well, who's he talking to? Okay, that's the first place in the Bible where it talks about what we call the Trinity. You read that and you say, well, who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to himself, but he's talking to God somehow. So since Elohim is plural, we get the indication that there's more than one 
in this concept of God. But we keep reading and we find that the God, uh, Jehovah God, is one God. There's only one. And then we read about his son, and he's called God, and he accepts worship as God. And then we read about the Holy Spirit, who is called God and accepts worship as God. And we've got the Father, who is called God and accepts worship as God. And we put that all together and say, well, there must be three parts in the Godhead. And the Bible uses that word too. So we put that all together and we call it the doctrine of the Trinity. And it fits everything that the Bible says about God. Although it's a mystery to us in many ways because we're all flesh and blood. Uh, we look at Toby and I, we got two persons here. And we can't understand how they could be one uh, because they're separate. But God is spirit and somehow that works together. So the Bible clearly teaches a doctrine of the Trinity, even though the Bible doesn't use that word um, <clears throat> as such. We, we believe that's the best explanation for who God is and how He operates. Uh, and if you study the Bible uh, and the doctrine of the Trinity, I think that's what you'll come up with. So that's the best answer I can give our viewer, where does the Bible talk about it? All through the Bible is where it talks about it. And we understand that to be how the Godhead operates. Uh, to explain it, men have come up with all sorts of little uh, ideas. Uh, an egg has a shell and a, a yolk and a white, <laughs> I guess, is the other part of it. Uh, they're all egg. They all have the nature of egg, but they're all separate somehow. Well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all have the nature of divinity, of divinity. Deity, but they're all separate somehow. So, little illustrations like that may help you understand it. Uh, what's another one? Water can exist as liquid or ice or as gas. Uh, they're all H2O, get the same nature, but they exist in a little different form. So, <clears throat> maybe that helps you understand it to some bit, but it's spirit and we, we won't understand it completely right. until we get there. Well, the, and, and even I mean, all you know, the, the God said, "This is my son, who, son whom I love." I mean, he he testified to the son. The son testified to the Father and to the Spirit. I mean, they all validated the deityness of each mm. other. Yep. And so, yeah, uh, you're right. Um, it, but it's still <laughs> not something we fully understand. Yep. No, so. We will someday. That's right. Okay. Mm. Viewer asked the question. It's or they really just make a statement. <laughs> It's not true that God buried Moses. Read Deuteronomy 34, verses 4 through 8. Okay, I see your challenge. I accept it. Let's read Deuteronomy 34, 4 through 8 on the screen. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, uh, I'm sorry, uh, and when I said, I will give it to your descendants, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day no one do knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. So I'm not sure why you asked me to read that. It simply very clearly says uh, that Moses, uh, the Lord buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. 
And so we know Moses did die. We know he was buried. We believe the scripture that God buried him. Uh, and we also believe we don't know where the body is. And I think there was a reason God buried him that way um, because Moses had been a great leader for the people of Israel. Uh, they certainly held him in high esteem and respected him greatly and probably wanted to keep them uh, from applying uh, reverence to him or applying worship to him. Uh, and that's many, many religions uh, worship uh, their dead leaders. And that's a problem because God, even though Moses was his servant and led them, God was their true leader. And so uh, that's my suspicion why God buried Moses and, and uh, we don't know where he is. But if you believe God's word, and I'm going to assume you do, uh, it says right there, God, God buried him. Okay. Yeah, we get something like that every once in a while, just a little bit. We're not sure why the Where that's question was asked that way. One possibility, and we have no control over this, is the folks that answer the phones and maybe heard it wrong or wrote something down wrong. It might be a hand typing error or something. So in a case like that, if we answer something that isn't the way you ask it, uh, try it again. Call in. Uh, no, give us another shot at it. We're not. We'll do our we're best. not perfect. We mess up every once in a while and get the get the question wrong or uh, take it a little bit wrong or something. So that one not quite understandable. But if we got it wrong, give us a shot at it. All right, uh, my turn. Does God really know everything? It seems life is pointless <clears throat> if God knows everything before it happens. Well. The viewers made a common assumption uh, or failed to make a common distinction. There's a difference between foreknowledge and foreordination or predestination. There's a difference between God knowing everything because He's God and ordaining that everything's going to be this way. Now, our viewer assumes that if he knows everything, then he's making it come out that way. And I would agree with him, then things would be kind of pointless. Uh, that's kind of like the fatalist that believes God causes everything to happen. And when they fall down the stairs, they get up and say, well, we're glad we got that one out of the way. You know, God was going to make me fall down the stairs sometime, and it, it happened, so that's good. Uh, no, God doesn't make things happen. He doesn't make people fall down the stairs or cars to have accidents or anything else. But he does know Everything. Now, that's hard to explain because we're limited in time here. We can only see what's happening right now and what's happened in the past. God, and the best way I know to explain it is he's kind of outside of time. He's not bound by time. Uh, for us, we look at light uh, hitting the earth, and if it came from the sun, we know how many seconds it took to get here because we figured out how many miles away the sun is and all that. Light hitting earth that comes from a distant star has been traveling for years, light years. Okay. Well, God sees all of that as one. He, to him, it's no difference between where that light left or where it hit earth or where it's going to be 20 light years from now. <clears throat> when he sees all that, he knows what's going to happen. But he's not making it happen. He's, he, he gives us free will. And I know we sit there and say things like that and say, man, how can anybody do that? Well, anybody can't. <laughs> but God, the omniscient God can. Uh, 
So he knows things that are going to happen. He promises that he'll cause it to work out for good in his providence. He does control things and he is sovereign and all that, but he doesn't make things happen. So it's, it's a very mysterious, hard to understand uh, concept because God is so much different than us. He himself said, he said, my thoughts are different than your thoughts. And my ways are different than your ways. Um, so we can't figure it out in some way. But just take that piece. It's the difference between foreknowledge and foreordination. And that answers the question for us, I hope. Okay, let me take this moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, Churches of Christ uh, support this program and help us stay on the air. And we appreciate that and like to mention uh, one every once in a while. Today, let's mention a few here in the, the Kansas area. Isabel, Kingman, and Mead are all communities that have a, a fine group of Christians meeting as the Church of Christ and would welcome you to uh, visit if you want to drop in sometime. In small communities like that, you probably know where folks attend church. And if you know somebody that attends the Church of Christ in Kingman or Mead or Isabel, tell them you was watching Know Your Bible the other day and saw them mentioned and uh, thank them for keeping Know Your Bible on the air. Uh, wherever you live in the Know Your Bible viewing area, you can probably find a Church of Christ near you and we invite you to visit them sometime. All right, Toby, yeah. you got time for one yeah, here? One we've addressed before, we can do it again. A viewer asks, what is meant by the third level of heaven in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2? Well, you understand the context. <coughs> Paul is describing uh, here a vision that he has, and uh, we can read this together on the screen, verses 2 through 4 of 2 Corinthians 12. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows, and I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. Now people read that and they go, are there levels to heaven? What is this third heaven? Is there, are there separate heavens or how does this work? Uh, no, to, to understand this very uh, simply, you need to understand that Paul was a Hebrew, a Jewish person. They had uh, understanding that there were three basics, basic heavens. Uh, the first heaven is what we would call uh, sky, atmosphere, uh, where the birds fly, uh, where the clouds are, the, the, the air that surrounds the planet. The second heaven is where the sun and the moon and the stars reside. The space, uh, outer space, galaxy uh, is what we would call that. And then the third heaven is a spiritual realm where God and the celestial beings dwell. It's unseeable, unknowable, and that's why Paul called it uh, things a man is not permitted to tell. So he's saying, I went all the way to the uppermost heaven uh, where human <clears throat> beings aren't allowed to go, and I saw beautiful, wonderful, indescribable things, and it should just remind us of our hope of heaven in Christ. That's what he meant by the third heaven is where God, where the celestial beings dwell. All righty. Thank you very much for that, and thank you folks for your uh, good questions that uh, help us uh, keep studying the Bible with you. We're glad you send them in or call them in, and uh, we get so many new ideas and new ones after almost 30 years of answering questions. We're still getting some new and different ones, and uh, that's amazing to me, but we enjoy it, so we'll continue. Uh, we're out of time today, but let's get that trivia question answered for you. What businesswoman sold purple cloth? Uh, and that was a woman named Lydia. You can read her story in Acts chapter 16. Uh, purple was a very valuable commodity, a very rare commodity. And uh, Lydia was a good businesswoman and uh, 
was converted to Christ and began to uh, teach others about Christ. So great story there in Acts chapter 16. Uh, we're going to be back next week with some more of your questions. We always have plenty to work on and we'll be covering some more of them next week. If you haven't got that correspondence course yet, today would be a good day to sign up. Other than that, we'll see you next week with more of your questions. And until then, we hope you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.